0: welcome to the Binge Eating Dietitian. I'm Jo, I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor and I'm here to smash the taboo of binge eating by bringing you personal and professional experience, real life stories and practical advice to help you get your life back from binge eating. And welcome back for another episode. Hope you are enjoying the episodes so far. Before I get into today's one, which is a really good one, by the way, just want to say I've already decided to change the name. So I'd initially called the podcast the Binge Eating Podcast, but I want for people to find me easily and to know what I'm about. I'm going to add in the word dietitian there. So podcast is now called The Binge Eating Dietitian and hopefully more people just like you will be able to find me and know what I'm about pretty quickly. And I feel like this is a good example of me practicing what I preach and not trying to be perfect. It's okay not to be perfect, it's okay to get things wrong, it's okay to change things. And today it's a really juicy one. This podcast is all about the worst advice I have heard for overcoming binge eating and why it's the worst. As a dietitian, I come across a lot of bad advice relating to overcoming binge eating and believe you me, I wouldn't be able to fit them all in one podcast because it would be hours and hours long. So I have chosen the ones I hear most frequently and to be honest with you, most of them come from dodgy influencers on social media. So here's a little tip. Please always check the credentials of anyone that you take health advice from. But as well, I have to admit that sometimes I hear this kind of dodgy advice from other healthcare professionals, people who haven't done any extra learning in eating disorders or binge eating. And, you know, it's fair enough that healthcare professionals can't be experts on everything. So again, if you get some shady advice from like a GP or a nurse or even another dietitian, just question what experience they have working with eating disorders and in particular binge eating. And if you do ever come across these shady tips, you can do what I do. I'll share what my strategy is. What I do is when I see a dodgy tip about overcoming binge eating is I look at it, I notice it, and then I put them in the mental bin and I metaphorically take the bins out straight away, aka I disregard it completely. Because unfortunately there is always going to be bad advice out there whether it's from social media or from your granny or from somebody who isn't qualified to give it in the first place. So What we can do is we can learn how we respond to it. And that's really what I do is I just notice them and I just wait for it to pass me by. I don't take it on board. I disregard it completely. I metaphorically take the bins out straight away. Also, I just want to preface this by saying if on the off chance any of these tips have worked for you in overcoming binge eating, then that's absolutely fine. If you haven't noticed so far, nothing in binge eating is exact or certain and there's always exceptions and outliers. My mantra is, if you can say that you are genuinely happy with your binge eating recovery, then I'm happy too. But for the most part, the tips I'm going to go through are more likely to cause you harm in your binge eating recovery than good. All right, so let's get cracking. Here are the four worst nuggets of advice for overcoming binge eating I have heard and why they are so awful. Number one start intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting comes in lots of shapes and sizes. Sometimes it means restricting calories to less than what a baby requires on two days a week, or in other cases, it means only eating within a specific window of time and fasting for the rest. Whatever way you look at it, intermittent fasting is basically a grand way of saying that you are skipping meals. Remember we spoke about calorie restriction being the number one trigger for binge eating? Well intermittent fasting is skipping meals in a bid to restrict calories. I don't care what anybody says, that's what intermittent fasting is. If you listen to the last episode, you'll know this key message is coming. When trying to stop binge eating, never skip a meal. In my professional experience of people I have come across who have tried intermittent fasting, it seems to be manageable for a couple of days. But soon the urges to binge surface and believe you me, they are stronger than ever. And often the allocated window for eating becomes an entire binge in itself because you're trying to cram in as much food as you possibly can until you start the next starvation period or as IFers like to call it, the fasting window. But I like to call it starvation time, because that's what it is. No matter the kind of intermittent fasting, whether it's not eating for a certain amount of hours in the day, or taking two days a week where you eat the same amount of calories as a baby needs, there's always a period of time where you're supposed to starve yourself. And what do you think that's gonna do for your mentality when you are in the last couple of hours of your eating window and you know that you're gonna have the next X amount of hours or X amount of days until you can eat normally again? You're gonna binge your socks off. And I don't blame you. That's a survival response because you know what's coming. You know that food isn't gonna be available for a while so you need to stock up. And remember, we spoke about how black and white thinking, right or wrong thinking, is not helpful in binge eating recovery. Well, what's going to happen when you're in the middle of your starvation window and you feel genuinely physiologically hungry? You have a genuine hunger for food, which is normal, by the way. And no matter how much water or lemon juice or apple cider vinegar that you give yourself, that hunger is going to be present. But if you eat something then you have failed, right? Because you didn't stick to your allocated eating window. So just to reiterate that, don't listen to what the IFers say, intermittent fasting is a diet. And I often get people who say, yeah, but intermittent fasting has been shown to have some benefits in research. And to which I say, Yeah okay that's fine I'm not disputing that some research for intermittent fasting exists but all the studies were tested in subjects who aren't also struggling with binge eating. So while you're recovering from binge eating please don't try intermittent fasting and you know you're a grown person if you do try it by all means but if you find it's turning you crazy around food please take that as a sign to stop. And it's not your fault that you feel crazy around food. Remember, intermittent fasting is just glamorized meal skipping. Worst nugget of advice for overcoming binge eating number two is cut out all sugar. Go through your cupboards and throw away whatever sinful foods you have. Even table sugar, honey and cooking chocolate. Anything that might tempt you just get rid of it and don't replace it. It's good advice, right? No way. It sounds like it would work all right. If you don't have access to the foods, you can't binge on them after all. But the thing is, by banishing all these foods and not allowing yourself access to them, not keeping them in your house, what you're doing is reinforcing a message to yourself that you cannot be trusted with foods like that. These delicious foods are for other people, people who are able to control themselves and not for you because you're just a maniac around food. And the thing is, that's not true. That rhetoric that you are a maniac around food is something that you have created. You're not a maniac around food. Foods that are high in sugar are your binge foods because firstly, they taste amazing And secondly, because they are the foods you have tried to restrict in the past or you are continuing to restrict them. You have put them in your off-limits, can't-be-trusted category, when in reality they are a food like any other. The difference is how we approach them. We put these delicious high-fat, high-sugar foods up on this pedestal as being something so mysterious, something elusive, something we should lust after. When in reality, and I know you're going to fight me on this one, but your trigger foods are just food. It's your reaction to them, your belief that they are bad, junk, Rubbish or only treats that makes them so desirable and binge worthy. When you're overcoming binge eating, I beg you to please don't cut out anything. Remember, it's your interpretation of the food as being bad that is problematic, it's not the food itself. You may find the analogy of the pendulum useful here, and you might have heard this before. So think of a pendulum like one on a really old clock. And when it's left by itself, it just swings gently back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But if you force the pendulum over to one side, if you take it with your hand and you pull it over to one side, when you release it, it will swing right over to the other side with equal force. That's what happens when we force our body into calorie restriction and only eat foods that we deem to be good. When we finally slip, So we eat something that is off our perfect plan of eating. The pendulum releases and it swings greatly over to the other side into binging of all the foods that we have missed out on. Until at some point we find that gentle equilibrium again. Worst advice number three for overcoming binge eating is to just count your macros. Don't restrict your calories but count the levels of carbohydrate, fat and protein instead. After all, it's not a diet if you're not restricting. All you're doing is counting, and that can't be bad, right? Unfortunately not. Tracking anything in your diet, whether it be calories or macros, is hyper-focusing, and therefore it's problematic, because hyperfocusing on anything isn't congruent with overcoming binge eating and developing a healthy relationship with food. Even though it sounds like a gentler approach than restricting calories, I consider tracking macros to be just as bad. There's a scientific phenomenon from my secondary school chemistry days, and it's called observer effect. It means that when you're watching something, it changes. If you have ever been inspected on the job at work, like if you're a primary school teacher and you were doing your practice placements, or you had a student shadow you for the day, do you work as you normally would when you're being watched? Or does your behavior change slightly when you know that the inspector is there looking at you? The thing is, it's the exact same with tracking macros. When you track them regularly, you'll naturally change them to be more in line with how you feel they should be. And what started out as being a gentle observation of your carbohydrate, fat and protein intake, before you know it, you have started a whole new diet and now you have a rule book of restrictions to abide by to make sure that you get your macronutrients in the desired range. Sure, not everybody who tracks macros is going to develop disordered eating or an eating disorder, but I'm pretty sure that everyone with disordered eating will likely have tracked either calories or macros at some point. So if you still have tracking apps on your phone, and that means tracking anything, calories or macronutrients, now is the perfect time to take out your phone, long press on the app and delete, delete, delete. I know this might be challenging because these apps give us something that we can control but I promise you that tracking apps play no role in your recovery from binge eating and something tells me that you're ready to let them go. Worst nugget of advice for overcoming binge eating is take up running. Running is great, they say. It helps clear the mind, they say. All worries just melt away when you run, they say. No, 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 no. If running is your jam, that's cool, but taking up running with the hope it's going to help you stop binge eating isn't going to end well for so many reasons. Firstly, running is bloody challenging and no matter what shape or size you're in, it can take ages to be able to run more than a couple of feet without feeling like your racing heart isn't going to explode straight out of your chest. Remember we discussed in a previous episode that low self-esteem is a common cause of binge eating, While taking up an activity as challenging as running may only make you feel worse about yourself because it does take time to feel good at it and enjoy it. So they say, I'm not a runner. Another reason why taking up running might not be the best idea right now is that running can impact your appetite. It's common to not feel hungry straight after a run, but to feel an intense hunger later on in the day or the next day. If you're binge eating, I bet your appetite is a bit out of whack and it may not be a good idea to add another variable into the works. And thirdly, why running might not be a good idea is that when we are desperate to quote unquote make up for a binge, we may be tempted to think that we can run it off and that will somehow justify it or erase the binge. But please know that it's really not as simple as that. Exercise has never made up for a binge. So, of course, I'm not saying that running is always problematic. I know that some people really enjoy it and it's part of a balanced and fulfilling lifestyle. But while you're working on overcoming binge eating, it may not be the best time to take up running. All right, so let's recap on the four worst nuggets of advice I have come across for overcoming binge eating. And remember, these are nuggets I want you to disregard, put them in the mental trash and take it out. Number one is start intermittent fasting. Number two is cut out all sugar. Number three is just count your macros. And number four is why don't you take up running? If you have come across any dodgy advice for overcoming binge eating, I would love to hear it. Please drop me a DM on Instagram. I'm at binge.eating.dietitian. And as always, if you have any suggestions for topics I can cover on the pod, Drop me a DM as well, and I'll take it on board. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this repost episode of the binge eating dietitian podcast, if you didn't know already, I am taking some time away from the podcast in 2023 so I can focus on smashing binge eating in other ways. I am doing a doctorate degree. I'm doing a doctorate of education degree in the realm of binge eating, and as you can imagine, it's taking some of my time and attention away from other pursuits like the podcast. I am keeping in touch with. You on my mailing list though. So if you go to the link in the show notes now, you'll see a link there that says get your binge free week checklist. When you sign up to get the checklist, you will be added to my mailing list and I'll keep you posted on how things are going over there. And I am sharing all of old episodes because they are full of wisdom about binge Eating that I know that you need to hear. So, So please keep listening and I'll chat to you soon over on my mailing list. Make sure you head to the link in the show notes now and sign up to get your free checklist to have a binge free week, and then you'll get my regular emails after that until then please take care of yourself this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice and it does not constitute a provider patient relationship